Hello and welcome to episode 1191 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, June 27th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, good day, sir. Good afternoon. How you doing? Doing pretty well. Um, I don't think I mentioned on the last episode that we wouldn't be going until Tuesday, so I apologize for those that were looking for a Monday episode. Got back in yesterday afternoon um, from our road trip, all that driving. I crashed out about, seriously, about 15 minutes after we walked through the door. That's how tired I was. I had, I had reached the finish line at the perfect time, hit a nice little nap. Uh, and I know you've been recovering from your mouth surgery on the mm-hmm. weekend. How are you feeling? Are you improving? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm here. Like it's been like kind of up and down, like every, like every minute, like I feel like, Oh, I'm good. And then all of a sudden like the pain like comes back. So, uh, and I get to do four more or three more of these. So, uh, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a fun little summer uh for me but uh doing okay good enough to talk for an hour or so and i uh, got good. to record with ryan bloomfield on sunday which was uh mm-hmm. a lot of fun uh you know ryan and i have been you know been recording together off and on you know for for years so it's always good to chat with him bloomer's the best man i love mm-hmm. him uh good episode from y'all but we got some things to talk about you know it was a short slate on monday just six games but we're going to talk about a few bit few bits of news want to check in on some struggling hitters now some struggling stud hitters we looked at some pitchers last week that were on the higher end that were struggling got to decide what we want to do with them and we got an interesting group today from the struggling hitter studs obviously we're not dropping some of them you'll understand when we say the names but others might be more on the chopping block than their name value would make you think and then we got a little three up three down to get out of here but we got to start with some somebody who i mean if you haven't cut him yet, if you were holding out that last bit of hope, this might be the nail in the coffin for at least this year with those that are still holding on to Alec Manola because he was absolutely dumpstered in his minor league debut. Um, a debut, you know, debut has a little bit more cachet to it than what this was. This is a demotion that, you know, obviously has not gone well. And I believe he gave up 10 runs, did Manoa in rookie ball. I mean, eleven runs over two and a th- two and two thirds innings. Are you holding Manoa? And I think you were already out when he was first downgraded. But if mm-hmm. you have him anywhere, this has to be it, right? Uh, I can't imagine a format in which you are holding on to him, at least in redraft. Like, uh, and even in dynasty, like there was part of me, like a guy in one of my dynasty leagues, uh, was all like, "Well, you know, he put Manoa on his block." And I was like, well, you know, I'm rebuilding. Maybe I maybe I take a shot. And, you know, I really like Manoa coming in the season. And, uh, you know, obviously I think this year is kind of a wash. But you can't – I can't imagine, like, all the talent in his body just disappeared. Um, yeah. But now I'm like, I don't even know what to offer someone like that. Like, I mean – I mean, you got to get a fat discount. I'm sorry. Like, I'm – I am – I don't want to phrase it this way because it might not end up being that. I was going to say, I'm trying to take you to the cleaners. It's not that I'm trying to take you to the cleaners. It's that I'm just not paying a lot. I'm not trying to rip you off. But if you think you're getting a big name from me for Alec Manoa, it's just not happening. I'm, I'm going to give you something that can maybe help you in the here and now. That's like a decent something. Like, we've talked about this guy a bit as a viable streamer. Let's say in a deeper, deeper dynasty format, 15 team type deal. I'd offer you like Wade Miley. Yeah, I you know? I, I just don't know that it's gonna get it. I mean, I guess it could get it. Then though. then I keep mean, him. You yeah. know, I'm 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 fine saying if that doesn't get him, I give you a piece that you can use this year a little bit in 15 teamers, right? Like he's not a stud, but he has a 291 ERA, 103 WHIP. Let's uh let's put some respect on Miley's name mm-hmm. too because he's actually been pretty damn good dating all the way back to 2018. If you look at everything he's done, the pandemic season was uh, nothing for him. It was 14 innings, so that's that's a wash. But since 18, you're talking about a 344, 129, and I understand with an 18% K rate. There's not a ton of cachet in those 515 innings for Miley, but I'm giving you a piece you can use this year. If I'm rebuilding, that's about the best I can offer for Alec Manoa is something in the Wade Miley range. Yeah. And if you don't want it, I, I I can't really blame you, but I also can't come up on that offer personally. I, I think I'm, I, I'm, I'm literally like going to send this guy an offer right now and see if he'll take, uh, I, I got a ton of hitting this league. I'm going to see if he'll mm-hmm. take Nick Senzel. There you go. There you go. And like, uh, I think that's even better than Miley. And if that's not enough, 
then I understand you wanting to hold him just to see what's what. Because I'm not, I'm not trying to chastise somebody that doesn't want to take a bath on it either because they might believe in Manoa. And one bad start here doesn't mean that he's markedly worse than we thought 24 hours ago. But if you were holding on to that glimmer of hope, I think it beats that glimmer of hope out of you for this year at least. And maybe we regroup next year with Alec Manoa. Justin, I was on the road, as I mentioned, and mm-hmm. so I was kind of getting, you know, moves done. I had time to uh, text my friend Greg. We didn't do our, our normal weekly call. And I remember asking, like, should I maybe cut CJ Crone? I have zero news on anything here. I feel like that's maybe kind of silly. You know, I just kind of, you know, we, we double check with each other. Who do you think my cuts are? And then he, he'll say uh, who he thinks my cuts are and vice versa. And I was like, is, is Crone one of my cuts? Thankfully, he was adamant, no. Don't do it even with no news. It's a Coors guy. Hold him. Okay, great. Um, which I agreed with, but I just wanted to see if maybe I was wrong. I did not expect him to return out of thin air yesterday. Part of the reason that I was even discussing it and brought it up with regards to Crone was there was literally no news. And I also saw Larry Schechter talk about how he cut him a few weeks ago under the same idea. And like he was apoplectic that he just comes back out of nowhere. No rehab, no nothing, no timetable. It is a billion percent on brand for the Rockies but were you surprised that we got nothing about Crone before the return yesterday uh yeah because the last I had heard was like he hadn't even like started baseball activities or like the back was still an issue uh there's no timetable like it I dropped him I think not this last fab but the fab previous um in an online championship where I just like I get it that's a 12 teamer I couldn't hold him anymore and especially without a timetable like I moved on like it uh, and now I'm super bummed because again, it's, you know, we've got a, what a, a, a long course week this week. And yeah, uh, they still have, uh, I want to say like 42 home, 42 or 43 home games or something like that rest of the way. Mm-hmm. So like uh, they, they've got a fair Spicy. amount of yeah, home games. Um, I'm glad that in the other leagues I had him, I didn't drop them. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, the hard part is you just don't know how long it's going to, you know, back issue like this could flare yeah, up in knows? an instant. Uh, I, I, you know, I totally understand if people did drop them, uh, go back to your waiver wire, pick them back up as quickly yep. as you can. Cause I mean, yeah, a guy like him and Coors is, uh, is a huge way to get a boost for, of power in your league, which is I think what a lot of people are looking for these days. Absolutely. Myself included. So I am really glad that it was a relatively light week in terms of interesting names out there for hitters. And I didn't think, well, so-and-so would be better than Crone and then cut him for somebody who, uh, you know, a Crone that's going to come back in X number of weeks. Again, having no clue that he was on his way back. And it's just, it's, it's bizarre that there was so little news and then back. And by the way, I said activated yesterday. He will be activated today, Tuesday. Uh, they didn't play yesterday, but they've got three against the Dodgers, three against the Tigers, all at home uh, this week. So nice landing spot for him to return. And while Kurt, Clayton Kershaw is, of course, a god, that is still a lefty that Crone uh, gets, gets to catch right off rip, too. So maybe that will help him jumpstart the week. Uh, go ahead. Update on uh, the Alec Manoa uh, trade-off. I didn't even see. He already got traded in my league uh, like two hours ago. Um Somebody traded Blake Snell in a third round pick for Brennan Lau, Alec Manoa, and Brady House. Okay. You know what? That's probably the better way to do it is instead of a one for one, put it in a little package yeah. to kind of alter the package deal. It's and a we're good win win about... deal for both teams, I think. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk about one of those players that you named there uh, down the line here in just a bit. But a couple pitchers I do want to talk about, and I'm wearing my Reds hat today for those that aren't watching the video. Love what the uh, what the Reds are doing, taking over baseball and you know going to Baltimore for a fun series with two of the most exciting young teams. But there's a little bit of doom and gloom there right now. I hate to you know throw the cold the the wet blanket on everything. Their pitching's already a problem, and now we're talking Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo with August timelines. Um, you know, put aside from the fact. We're not, we're not really here to talk about the real baseball impact of like, can they really compete uh, with both those guys down? But like, are you still holding Green and Lodolo to wait for another month and a half or more? I have a really hard time holding them uh, in anything like shallower than a 15 team league. Um, just because, one, we say August. And that yeah. could be mid-August. That could be late August. That could that's a be- great point, by the way. Because I think a lot of us just hear, like, August, okay, 
first week of August. Oh, no, that's a, that's a month away. It's a, yeah, no, it's exactly like, and when you only have three months left in the season, uh, if that turns into let's say six weeks, if it turns into you know eight weeks, that's now half two thirds of the rest of the season. And then what are we even going to get from them when they come back? Are they going to be fully stretched out? Uh, mm-hmm. Are they going to bomb you with less than a month? I mean, both these guys are unreliable starters, especially pitching in great American ballparks. So, like, they have huge upside. They also have huge downsides. Is that what you really want? Now, I think you can make the argument that, you know, unlike other maybe pitchers that you might be stashing, they have the kind of upside to carry you through to a championship if they do get hot when they get back. And so that's why I I do think that there is an argument for keeping them. But ultimately, uh, especially if you're in a league where your ILs are already filled up or you don't have ILs, I, I want the flexibility on my bench. If, if I have to put them on my bench, then that is a problem. If I can stash yep. them, then I, I understand the argument. No, I think that's that's totally where I'm at with regards to Lodolo and Green. If I have to hold them on my bench, uh, you know, the NFBC style that we talk about a lot, uh-uh, can't do it. If I can keep them in, in IL spots with Unlimited, that makes it easier. You don't even have to worry. But anything beyond that starts to get dicey. Lodolo was not doing well, by the way. You mentioned that they could bomb you out. He had done that for 34 innings with a 629 ERA, 175 whip. Green, meanwhile, 393, 135. So again, both whip problems, but Green not hurting you as much with the ERA and both had uh, strong strikeout rates. In Dynasty, I would definitely go try to buy on the cheap. Now, you're not going to get them for pennies or anything. You're still going to have to pay a premium, but I think it is a lower price than it was two, three months ago uh, You know, before the season started. I also want to point out the red schedule in the end of August is brutal. Um, so they get they get a two game series on the fifteenth and sixteenth first Cleveland. That's great, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that and, I, and that's at home. But after that, they go. Uh, they are home versus Toronto. They go to the Angels. They go to the Diamondbacks, and they go to the Giants. So, like, even if they come back in August, how much do you really want to use them? Uh, against those teams. And then things get a little bit easier in the month of September, but they've got a ton of home games in the month of September, which is, again, a hard part to pitch in. I don't know. I, I think I would be very scared to even use them in a lot of those starts. Yeah, that's the thing, too. So that's another great point in favor of maybe just kind of moving on from Lodolo and Green right now unless you have that wide open reserve or excuse me in il spot where you don't have to worry about them taking up space if they're not hurting your ability to hold players i don't mind sticking it through just seeing what you could get but anything beyond that i am really looking to cut green and lodolo in redrafts keepers i'm holding dynasties i'm even buying if especially if i'm not competing this year uh to see if i can get them at a little bit of a discount all right, let's do a little struggling stud check-in. Again, we talked about pitchers last week uh, in this realm, guys that were really struggling against expectations. Let's just start at the uh, at the top here with a little little-known guy by the name of Julio Rodriguez. Ever heard of him? Now, the thing of it is, everything is kind of scaled, right? Julio Rodriguez's struggles uh, are relative. He has 13 homers and 18 steals. It's hard. To, to, you know, bitch and moan too much about what he's been doing. But there are aspects of, of what he's doing or not doing, as it were, for J-Rod that are coming a little bit short. Namely, the 247 average, the 309 OBP uh, would be where you would look for those. So he is only the ninth-ranked outfielder. So again, we're not talking about, don't tell me that uh, Julio Rodriguez is ruining your team and he's the reason you're not competing. He might be hurting you a little bit relative to taking him as the number one, number two, number three pick overall. But if you're not winning this year, it's not because of Julio Rodriguez. And yet, folks are still wondering, what's going on with him? Why is he coming up so much shorter, particularly in the average department, than we saw last year with Julio Rodriguez? Are you seeing anything from him that has you concerned going forward? Or do you believe he can have a big summer and bring that average up, which is currently at 247 for J-Rod? Yeah, no, he is who he is. Um, I think last year he got a little bit luck unlucky or sorry, he got a, he got a little bit lucky in terms of the batting average. Uh his average was two eighty four, his XBA was two fifty four. This year's a little bit of the opposite. He's getting unlucky. You know, the average is two forty seven, the X uh, the XBA two sixty six. He's still hitting the ball hard. Um he's still making like almost identical 
uh, you know, amount of contact, actually better in zone contact uh, than last year. Swing outside the zone a little bit more, uh, but nothing like completely egregious. Um, you know, just hitting a few more ground balls and a few less fly balls, but like nothing like that I'm super worried about. I think this is natural. I don't want to say regression because I don't think this is regression, but I think this is just kind Ebbs of range, range of outcomes. Yep. Like this yep, is, yep. This Not is, everything. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think he's fine. I think the big concern with him coming in to draft season has been answered positively. Was he going to run? Yeah. And Correct. He's running. And I, I don't think that uh, the power is going to be a problem long term. I think as things continue to heat up um, across the West. And for those who don't know, it's been unseasonably cool on the mm-hmm. West, in the West Coast. Like, it's just like, I mean, we we have yet to have like a 90 degree day at this point. And uh, like, we're supposed to like get high 80s uh, in you know, the San Francisco Bay Area this weekend so things are starting to heat up i think the ball will start flying for him uh, a little bit more uh and, you know on the west coast and i think he's going to be fine if you could buy low on him i don't know that you can but if you could low, I mean, low being like a second round pick that, yeah, exactly. that that's it like a, a, a guy you picked later in the first round again i want to stress that we are talking about j-rod struggles and we're going to get into some guys who are really struggling who might be cuts these are relative to the heights of J-Rod here. So it's all proportional. And really what it comes down to is because everything else is in order, not because you just go to BABIP instantly and say, oh, lucky or unlucky. But when you look at everything else being pretty much right in line, I see a 37-point dip in BABIP, and I'm like, that's pretty much the culprit yeah. Yeah. behind the batting average drop. So I'm not worried here. I would absolutely buy. I would pay. Again, whatever pretty much whatever it takes um he could have a massive summer you're gonna have to pay a premium that's fine if you want to go get j-rod do not be fearful of him because of that batting average is the point the bad x right now which i think is probably the best in-season uh projector of uh you know what someone will do in the future has him for 16 home runs rest of the way 16 stolen bases a 279 batting average Take that all day, baby. Yeah. Give me that. And, mm-hmm. you know, if the M's get going a bit more offensively, too, you can see the runs ribbies go up. Yep. Pardon me. That he is pacing toward, I think, 90-something on the uh, uh, on the ribbies and hundred, just under 100, or just, excuse me, just over 100 on the runs with J-Rod. But all in all, don't worry. It's a bummer when your superstar number one pick, who you picked in the top five, isn't just acuna ing it, but that not everyone does that. And he's fine. He's not killing you. Uh, this guy, though stinging you a little bit more and again this is proportional not not killing your team but it's a little bit concerning that Manny Machado is where he is thus far with a 706 OPS nine homers three steals 30 runs 33 ribbies a little bit emblematic of the malaise that the San Diego offense as a whole is in we're going to talk about another one of their teammates another one of his teammates uh next as well but I'm looking at it you know 24 homer pace 86 ribbies, 78 runs, eight steals. You're never really looking for crazy steals out of Machado. You take what you get. It just hasn't gone great. Do you have any concerns about Machado that would have you, you know, looking to maybe unload him? Again, I don't think we're anywhere near a cut, but he is definitely underperforming here after being such an ironclad, rock-solid type of guy and had a brilliant year, year last year. Where do you currently stand with Manny Machado? <sighs> I mean, I think he's going to be fine. Like, I, I, you know, and I think, like, maybe he just needs a little bit of time off. The the weird thing is the ground ball rate has gone up, you know, a fair amount and a lot. In, I mean, it's almost 50% ground ball rate in the month of June. Uh, and that is a bit concerning because when you're, you know, when you got Manny Machado, you're really looking for the power. Like, the speed was an added bonus. Like, you know, they chipped in some stolen bases and stuff. Exactly. He can continue to, you know, chip in stolen bases here. But, like, the, the power and the batting average are the, the concerning things. The BABIP's a little bit low. I mean, he's got 282 BABIP, and it's a career 300 BABIP guy. So maybe that just kind of writes the ships in terms of the batting average. The power, I just kind of believe he's going to turn it around. There's not a whole – I mean, the contact numbers are fine. Um, it's really just a matter of like he's hitting a few too many balls into the ground. He's still hitting the ball hard. So I got he's a guy who's he's never had or well, he hasn't had 
less than 28 home runs in a season since 2014. Obviously, not including 2020 season. Of course, he had 16 home runs in 60 games. Um, so, uh, I think he's going to be fine. Again, I think if you know, but I mean, I think this is more track record belief than yes. it is like numbers belief. But no, I think I think, this, and I think that's fine. fine. Yeah, I think that's fine with somebody with with Manny Machado's track record to lean on that and say, "Hey, I'm not going to let 62 games." obscure what I saw in the previous 1445 and just make me completely change who I feel this guy is, especially when the skills don't suggest that there are, there are little trickles here and there that say, okay, that's down, that's down, that's down. It all adds up. And voila, we're having a a down season. I don't think it all holds. I really don't. I think he gets better. Um, Unless, unless we find out he's nursing some sort of injury that's eating into the power. I do think Machado is going to be fine. He's somebody else. I would, you know, pay relatively full price for it and try to acquire. I'd be open he, to that. He did have like a broken bone or something like that, that he like, he went on the IL for a little bit and then came back from, I, I want to say. Um, That's right. Cause he only has 62 games. And so Machado maybe does. there is some kind of residual stuff. Um, I want to see it like a break in a finger or break in a hand yes. or something like that. Glove, um, glove hand was hit by pitch. Um, and and needed basically the minimum but yeah and if that's how ha- you know getting in the hand stuff like that you don't always have to break a finger for it to be a problem if you can't grip the bat as well yeah you're just not you're not getting the the exact hits so we could look maybe quickly uh let's see that happened on may 24th we could see if there's a pre-post situation there for for machado at all coming in although he's basically had the same numbers yeah, most the old- of the year the only difference is, like, in June, I know he's been the ball on the ground a little bit more. That's so right. maybe maybe there is a little bit of an issue there. I, I still tend to think he's going to be fine, but um, that would make sense why the power is down a little bit is that, like, he's just not able, you know, maybe he's, he's just not able to grip the bat quite as, you know, strong as he normally is. Maybe he just needs that all-star break to kind of have some time off yep. and, um, and he'll be fine. So I'm not super – like, I, I wouldn't sell him based on this. No, definitely not. And we are seeing a 180 ISO since Machado's return uh, with four homers in 95 plate appearances, which is a 29 homer pace. So it's even ticking up a little bit after a 654 OPS before the injury. So I, I think you're, head on, you're dead on with the idea that maybe the break gives him just what he needs. So that week off, uh, get right, get 100%, and then take off in the second half, which I do think the Padres can still do too. But they might need this guy to get going as well because Jake Cronenworth, now this isn't, this is out of the Machado, J-Rod zone where we're talking about potentially cutting here because Jake Cronenworth has been underwhelming uh, and downright bad in some aspects, including a 2-10 average. You know, it's like if you're if you're hoping for one thing from him, He's a guy that that profiles as somebody who should have a good average. Like you're never expecting, uh, you know, 25 plus homers. He's never done it. So if you're expecting it, that's kind of weird. He's 21 and 17 in the last two years. So you take that. The interesting thing is, though, I kind of view him as somebody with a good batting average. He only doesn't really have any good batting averages. I mean, the the 2020 season, who cares? But he hit 266 and 21, 239 last year, down to 210 this year. Was he just a bit overrated? Um, seven homers, three steals this year with that 210 average. Is Jake Cronenworth somebody that you're worried about? Are you still holding him in, in shallower formats? Uh, I mean, he was a guy I wasn't really a fan of coming this season. So, I, I mean, here's the thing. He makes elite zone contact. We're talking like almost 93% zone contact. Um, the problem is it's not extremely hard, and it's not a great park to hit in. Uh, and you know, one of the issues I had with him was like, he's, he's kind of an accumulator, which means he needs to play every day and he needs to hit the top of the lineup. And I was just afraid once the tees came back, like he wasn't necessarily going to do both of those things. Um, now he plays fairly regularly, but he hits six, seventh. He's five, uh, six. Yeah. Five, six, seven now. So I, I don't know. Like, I think he is who he is. I definitely think he's getting a bit unlucky um, in terms of the batting average. You probably should be hitting closer to 240. Uh, but even with that, like, there's just not enough fantasy juice where it matters. So I don't know that you need to be holding on to him really in, in any mixed league format. 
And there's a little bit of that Max Kepler effect where we look at the BABIP and we're like, oh, this BABIP should go up. And we just kind of keep saying it and it doesn't. In fact, it's going down 283, 275, 251 from 21 through this year now. Um, and so it's like, maybe it's not coming and he doesn't have transcendent yeah. power and he doesn't really run much and they're not scoring a ton of runs. So he doesn't have a ton of ribbies. So Jake Cronenworth is a tough hold. And I, I like what you said there in any mixed league, which includes 15 teamers. I do yeah. think you could find a Jake Cronenworth cut that I wouldn't be, you know, uh, crushing somebody for. I, I really, you, really want it. You should probably be dropping him for like whoever this week's Andy Abanya is, is, right? We're going to yeah. talk about like a former version in McKin or not McKinney, uh, McKinstry, McKinstry yeah. um, here in a little bit. But like you should be like cycling a guy like Cronenworth out for those guys that are playing every day and hot. Um, as opposed to just holding them on your roster uh, because there's just no upside. Yeah, fantasy juice is limited. This guy has fantasy juice, but the rates that come with it are abysmal. And obviously we know the whirlwind that was Anthony Volpe's offseason in spring training where it was like, okay, he'll be up at some point, but he's not going to start the season. Oh my God, he's having the craziest spring, but they're so loaded on the infield. How's he going to fit? Well, he's just going to keep dominating in spring and force his way up. Wow, he's making the team. Now he's a crazy high pick. And we have 10 homers and 15 steals. So there's the fantasy heat, but it's with a 195 average. So at what point is it not worth it with regards to Volpe? Because how, how many homers and steals do you need to overcome such uh, a poor batting average. And, and just for context, he's the 27th ranked shortstop um, on the Rasball player Raiders. So, you know, if your team build is such where he fits perfectly and you've got a bunch of batting average to take on the 195 of Volpe, and so you can take the 10 and 15, 10 homers, 15 steals, that's great. But most people don't. And he's hemorrhaging your batting average. Where do you currently sit with Volpe? And are you finding cuts with him anywhere right now in, in redraft formats? Uh, I had picked him up in a league where somebody had dropped him like a month ago. Uh, and I'm still kind of holding on just because the fantasy juice is so good. Uh, and it's also a standalone league where I can kind of punt batting average if I want to at some point. Um, I think he's overmatched. Like I, uh, Keith Law did a great piece on him uh, in the last month or so where he said, like, the Yankees have just not done him any favors by – yeah. bringing him up as quickly as they did, and then just leaving him there. Um, but the, I think the Yankees are saying, hey, you're our top prospect. We believe in your talent. We're going to let you keep working on it. It's not working, though. Um, no. And uh, he, I, I, I feel like a lot of this is inexperience. It's a guy going up to the plate and not really knowing what he's doing, like, uh, you know, some at bats, he's hitting things into the ground. Uh, other at bats, he's trying to just jack it. And sometimes he does, right? He's got the 10 home runs, but uh, a lot of times he's just flying out. Uh, I think this is it's a kid who's got a lot of talent. I think he's going to be really good long term. Um, so, like, I'm not worried about him in dynasty leagues or, or keeper leagues. But I think he really does need to, like, go back down and learn how to, like, properly approach a pitcher in at a bat. Uh, because it's clear he doesn't quite get it yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see it with Volpe right now. Um, it's like, okay, great, they're committing to him, but it is maybe a little bit of overcommitment where it's like, okay, is it time to uh, to push him back down to the minors for a two week spell? Right? Maybe do it. Although I think the uh, All Star breaks coincide, but there might be uh, some opportunity there. Let him get some AAA games under his belt without missing as many major league games. I don't know if they, they line up perfectly, those all-star breaks, but I know the all-star, I think the AAA all-star game is the day after the major league yeah. one. So whatever I, it is, I, I think I think right now he is overmatched. I agree with you. And the that's problem, a problem is, for Volpe. like you mentioned kind of at the outset of, of this topic, is when, when he first was coming up, it was like, oh, where is he going to play? Like, how are they going to make this all work? They've got the opposite problem. They've got nobody to play. Like, I mean, like, right now they're playing the corpse of Josh Donaldson. Um, uh, you know, like, I guess they could play Isaiah, Isaiah Kiner Falafa, but. Oh, like, they are. Well, actually, not that much. Never mind. I thought, they, I thought he was playing more. He only played two last week. I think he was playing before Donaldson came back. Um, oh, okay. But, okay. Uh, yeah, like, I'm. 
Yeah, they don't have a shortstop, and they don't want Oswald Peraza to do it because he's in he's, the minors. He's struggling in the minors right now. Absolutely. So, like, so it's not like it's not like I'm saying that they're wrong for that either. But it's like if he was doing something, they could make that easy switch. But instead, they're like, "Who the hell are we going to put it short?" So that's part of it too. Is team need, and that's why Volpe is still up and playing every damn day. Now I will say. Uh, Peraza is hitting in AAA. He hasn't hit in his 38 plate appearances in the majors. I thought I still he was struggling. I, I thought he was struggling right now in AAA. I see a 125. So maybe recently. I see a 11-11 homers and steals in 34 games with a 125 WRC plus for Peraza in AAA. Uh, give me a second. It, is he sputtering of recently? I, I believe he is, but I, I'm, I'm double-checking it right I, now. But is it? can it be that much worse than what? Volpe is doing. Yeah, he is having a, a brutal June, 660 OPS. Yeah. Um, I still think I'd make the move. Volpe, it's just not working. And Peraza's the better glove anyway. So, um, yeah, hold hold in any keeper format, of course, with Volpe. Do not get too short-sighted to where you're moving on there. But in redrafts, I do think you can start to move on in the shallower ones for sure. Deeper, I'm at least reserving before I'm going to cut Volpe in a 15-teamer, but... I can't keep hemorrhaging my batting average like that. And if you're in a dynasty league or keeper league where a contender has Volpe, maybe try to see if you can buy 100%. a little bit low right now. Like, you know, 100%. Like, hey, Offer him uh, something big. You yeah. Gotta pay something yeah, big. Yeah. You're, you're not going to get him for free. But, like, I don't know. Like, if I'm trying to think of a good short shortstop that you might be able to um, move uh, that, you know. Would, is, would you do? Would you do something around, like, if you had Nico Horner? Yeah, I, I definitely would. Um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of interesting. Ideally, you would have like a shortstop that's expensive, like, mm-hmm. a, like a star one, and you're trying to get a cheaper one. So if it's like, a, you know, a trade turner or something like that, that would obviously – that's easy, though. Yeah, I uh, wouldn't the, do that, though. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't trade Turner. Like I was thinking like Lindor, but I don't think I would trade Lindor for Volpe. I think yeah, I, I don't know if I would either. I do think something like – it's it's not a it's not a perfect setup, but I I do love the idea that if a contender has Volpe, check in and just see where where things are at. Like, would you um, like if would you? Oh, here's a good like like I like Xander Bogarts. I'd offer Xander Bogarts for for him. Willie Adamas. Yeah. I know Adamas has been struggling, but um, yeah, Adamas almost made this list of, of struggling short, studs. Shortstop has sucked this year, dude. It's supposed to be so deep, and it is rough to the point where Jorge Mateo is 12th. And I don't say that to like, you know, totally crap on him as like a, a joke. Yeah. He has a six homers and 21 steals. He's been a nightmare since April. He's hitting 222. I mean, Jorge Mateo is Estrada has been a top five. Can... Just like I called. Yeah. That's the, hey, I'm just, I'm I, just glad I called it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was in on Tyro. I was too in on Tyro. I, you know, I wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was so out on Tyro. Sorry guys. My bad. Um, anyway, this guy is a big part of the, why shortstop sucks too. Tim Anderson. We have the same amount of homers this year, but I haven't even played 55 games. So yeah. technically I could have more. You don't know how many I would hit in 55 games. He has zero homers, 11 RBIs, 236 average, eight steals and 21 runs. Should Tim Anderson be rostered in any mixed league right now? That is not a keeper situation. Definitely not in 10 and 12s. I think you probably should move on at this uh, – should have moved on at this point. Um, here's the thing. We just talked about shortstop sucks right now. Like, it, yeah. like in a 15-team league, he's playing every day. Um, and he can't be this bad. I mean – I wouldn't think so. I mean, we got to figure some type of ailment here, right? He's just not this bad. I mean, he's dealt with a, a couple injuries already this year, and yeah. so you've got to wonder, like, I know one was a hamstring injury. Um, the the Babib juice has run out a bit. He's down to 294, and this is a guy who, you know, has lived with high Babbitt, particularly since 2019, when he's had a 376 Babbitt since from 19 through 22 for Tim Anderson, and it's down to 294 this year, which isn't even egregiously awful, but when you set the bar that high, and then where the hell's the power, man? 041 ISO? That's that's horrendous. Now worth pointing out the last year was 093. And I wonder if maybe we just didn't take enough of the warning signs from last year's busted half season. I understand why people were willing to say, okay, half season, give him a little bit of a wash out there and, and go back to the well. 
But this is brutal with Tim Anderson, and I'm just having a hard time. You know, if you want to hold him in a 15, I get it, but should you even still be starting him? Probably not. But, I mean, the question is, like, what can you pick up? So, like, I just I just brought up my main event. Like, there's no one on the wire I would drop him for, for sure. Like, I mean, uh, Elvis Andrews, Enrique Hernandez, Kyle Farmer. Like, I'm, I, I'd rather just hold on to Tim Anderson. But, like, about, yeah, you probably shouldn't be starting him at this point either. What about J.P. Crawford? No. Like, J.P. Yeah. I mean – you don't want to start Crawford over him, not cut, not 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 a one to one cut. I don't. I wouldn't want to cut. I don't. I mean, I, I guess you could start based on who had the better matchups that week. Yeah, um, it's but, not great. Yeah, if you don't have anybody in house in a fifteen, maybe you are still just running Tim Anderson out there. I mean, it, God, it's so brutal though. Zero homers, zero. Mm-hmm. My God. And if you got this guy with him, you're not even making up the homers that well because Rowdy Telez has not followed up his breakout season all that well. He does have 12 homers, and he is hitting 218, and he hit 219 last year. So maybe he's is a little unfair to put on this list because it's not like so far out of what he did. But I'm looking specifically at June with Rowdy Telez: zero homers, 167 average. Are we worried here that Telez is, uh, you know, the, the the magic's run out and he's cuttable, or will he get hot again? What do you think of Rowdy Telez right now in his slump, his June uh, swoon? Okay, so I wrote him up yesterday. It was posted, I believe, this morning over on Fantasy Pros, uh, my weekly buy low, sell high uh, article, um, which on a, just a, you know a different note is becoming more and more difficult to write every single week. Uh, <laughs> I'm running out of people to write about and uh, not like double dip. But uh, I wrote him up as a buy low. Um, okay. He's actually, he's getting really unlucky in balls in play. He is not pulling the ball enough, but I think that's an easy adjustment to make. Um, I think he is, uh, you know, he's still making above average contact in the zone. He still hits the ball really hard. I think this is just a blip, you know, or bump on the road. Like, I think he's going to be fine. Like, if he gets dropped in a league, he'll be an easy ad because I don't think you can find this kind of power normally off the wire anyways. Um, so I think he's definitely a guy that, like, if someone is, uh, like, you know, keeping them on their bench, uh, not really using them, like, go and make a low ball offer and see if you can get them for cheap. I think that's fair. Um, is this like your Solaire call from a couple of years ago when things looked really bleak with him and you were in on him and he had a huge summer? You, you think Telez can really turn it around and go, go ape shit? Yeah, I think he can. Um, I don't know okay. if it's quite as obvious because, like, then it was just – it was, like, completely obvious with Solera that, like, he was just getting unlucky. Um, mm-hmm. Like, everything was in line. There there are a little bit of red flags on Telez that he's not pulling the – he's not, like, trying to pull the ball. Or maybe pitchers are just pitching him away so he can't pull the ball. Um, but I think he's going to be fine. Like, I just – I think especially with a lot of the pitching in that division being bad and there are still a lot of division games left – uh, for the Brewers, like, I think he is going to be fine. Um, and I don't, like, the only thing that could really throw a wrench into him turning it around is if the Brewers give up on him. I just don't yeah, see the if, Brewers if they move, that. If they move on from Telez, that would be the bummer. But I, I don't know, like, who who's knocking down the door to take the spot? Yeah. And I guess, like I said, at the outset of this, when you look at the composite numbers, it's not so far off of last year that you're like, oh my God, Roddy Telez has fallen apart from last year. It is really the June swoon that is the biggest issue because coming into June, uh, he was pacing for 39 homers with a 244 average, which would be big improvements over last year, four more homers and a big jump in average because he hit 219. So this month is really what's uh, driven his numbers down. He can turn it around and be that power guy that's been tough to find. Like you said, you know, if Crone's out there, get him. But if Crone isn't and Telez is, go for that. Yeah. Let's do a little three up, three down here to end it. Reed Detmers is absolutely rolling with a 105 ERA and 35 Ks in his last last four starts going for 25 and two-thirds innings. I, I... this was a guy that I was in on the whole way. I thought that his struggles were overstated. I really just wasn't that concerned, even when he was, you know, touching a five ERA coming into the month, um, carried high fours, low fives throughout much of May. 
everything felt like it was right there for him. And like we saw last year, we're seeing as, as the season kind of gets amped up and into, into the next gear, Reed Detmers, he, now he didn't need a send down this year the way he did last year, but he's cooking. He's allowed three total earned runs in those four starts that I mentioned with eight, 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 and 10 strikeouts. The only downside really is that he's one in five, which you could blame the team because it's easy to blame the Angels when things don't go right, but they are 43 and 37. So he's been kind of unlucky there. Where do you stand with Reed Detmers now that he's uh, cooking again? He shouldn't really be available anywhere, but are you believing in this surge from Detmers? Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of who he is. I think he goes through ups and downs um, when the command is working. Like, he is really, really good, and he's approaching things really well right now. Uh, I also want to point out that two of those four starts were against the Dodgers and the Rangers, which are, like, two of the yep. better teams in baseball. Uh, he's been super, super impressive. Do I think he's necessarily going to keep this going, like, rest of the way and, and, like, establish himself as a top 30 starter or top 25 starter? I don't. But, I, I kind of do actually. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, because he's awesome. I mean, I, like, I, I know that's not like a great answer of like, uh, you know, sci- scientifically based there, but like we saw the breakout last year. I just really fully believe in, in what Detmers does. He misses a ton of bats. Walks can get the best of him at times, but he's not some, you know, Robbie Ray up there with double digit walk rates. We're talking eight and a half, nine percent walk rates, certainly manageable. Pitches in a good park with a solid team supporting him. I hope that they improve the bullpen as they near the deadline here because they are a contending team, thank God. And, you know, Velo's up. I mean, what what isn't there to like? Did you really see anything in the earlier, quote-unquote, struggles? Which, by the way, worth pointing out, has not allowed more than four earned in a single start this season. A lot of it was that pitch counts were getting run up because of his walks and strikeout combos. And so he was only... He was kind of a five and dive and sometimes fewer than five. That was what was running up the ERA. It wasn't just getting pummeled with earned runs. I just, I just think he's one of the best 35 pitchers out there right now. I love yeah. Reed Detmers. And to my surprise, he's only 57% rostered at Yahoo. That's crazy. That should be at least 30 points higher. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think you can make the argument that he's a top 35 pitcher, uh, largely because um, this year has been a battle of attrition. And – if everybody Every stayed healthy, is. he would have. Uh, he probably wouldn't be a top thirty-five, top forty Every pitcher. Every year and, is. Year, yeah, he's. I mean, he's healthy right now, and um, mm. no reason to think he won't stay healthy. So maybe you're right. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm a little bit low on him. Um, I just want to look up one more thing before we we wrap up on him. Uh, let's see. Whip's been pretty good over the last three starts too. So yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, tough to hit right now uh, with mm-hmm. a combined seven hits in the last three starts. Um, and, you know, the walks, they kind of linger. A couple of game kind of deal. Uh, he's hit three a few times for Detmers, but with the Ks knocking it out, just give me some wins for him, man. Come on, team. Uh, you got to get a few dubs there. One in five is kind of comically bad right now for as well as Detmers' pitch, especially recently. Uh, let's talk about Braxton Garrett, the lefty for the Marlins, who they're going to really need to lean on because Yuri Perez is going to take a pause on his season because they just can't run up his innings uh, off the charts here. But he has an MLB best 31% strikeout minus walk rate since the 11 earned run demolition uh, back in early May. He's been one of the best pitchers in the game. I mean, he's absolutely rolling. I think what the most impressive part is lately is the strikeout surge. 68 strikeouts in that time uh, with games of 8, 8, 7, 9, 8, 13 is last time out against Pittsburgh. Braxton Garrett is really developing into a stud in front of our faces here. Do you buy into it from the uh, 25-year-old lefty in Miami, Braxton Garrett? I kind of do. Um He's becoming more aggressive, especially early on in counts, uh, which is what I love to see because he's stealing strikes from people, which gives him the opportunity to set up a strikeout later on in the bat. And uh, and this is something I don't think anybody really expected from him. Um, I mean, I, I after that, like, huge blow-up game that he had, like, middle of the season, like I said, like, go go by low. Like, the, he just wore one, and that was uh, okay. But, like, I didn't expect him to do this, and – I've been very, very impressive by his uh, approach and kind of and pitch mix and uh, and sequencing. And I think he, he like he's not an elite pitcher necessarily, but I think he's a damn good pitcher and probably a top forty starter rest of the way. 
yeah, it's, it's hard not to really like so much of what Braxton Garrett's doing. Pitches in a great park, you know, has some quality support behind him with that team, at least with the bullpen and the park. The offense isn't great. In fact, they're going to need some offense if they really want to stick around in this. But I mean, it's going to be one of those things. We're getting to that point. I mean, we're here now. You remove that 11 and run outing to really kind yeah. of dive into exactly how good he's been. I mean, that would give him, let's see, I can do the math right now. 249 ERA in his other 14 starts. And that's just to highlight how great, he, and it's a 364 ERA total. So over a run was added from an 11 run, four and a third inning demolition. Like you said, he wore it, but Braxton Garrett's been great. Um, I think he has a chance to be really useful throughout the rest of the, the remainder of the season too. And I, I, I believe in this more than I don't. I believe in this uh, as, as viable way more than I believe in the, bad start being who he is and he's only 67 percent rostered at yahoo what's going on over there yeah he, he should be rostered in every format blake snell he was hitting some waiver wires and frankly i got it like i understood it like it was getting tough to run him out there but seems it was very premature and if you stuck with him good on you i don't have blake anywhere this year but you know after six earned against Boston on May 19th as ERA rose to 540 and that's when you really started to see like the should I be holding this guy and it's like I don't know man he's always a hard one because when he's dialed in he's matchup proof monster and little did we know that he would instantly turn into that starting in the next outing and he's allowed a whopping two earned in the six starts since then it's an 050 ERA 083 whip and 31% strikeout minus walk rate in his last six starts after that 540 ERA in the first nine for Blake Snell. Can he be trusted as an all formats blind must start the rest of the way? No, because it's Blake Snell. Yeah. Yeah. I there's mean, just and, there's just no reason to be that definitive with it. I just was wondering yeah. if we were gonna be that that committal. But I just you're just asking for trouble. You have to assess him on a, on a rolling four to six start basis, as you do most pitchers, but especially someone with his volatility. Yeah, I mean his volatility uh, because in like even in this stretch, like yes, he's been really really good. Uh, you know, he's only allowed one home run in this stretch. Uh, he's getting a ton of strikeouts, like 14k per nine. Um, he's also got a 98 percent strand rate. That's not sticking around, and. No. He's had three or four walks in four of these six outings, yep. like and zero walks in the other two. So like he's like this is who Blake Snell is, and we haven't even brought up the fact that he hasn't thrown a ton of innings over the last few years. He's only thrown 128 innings in each of the last two seasons. He's 48 innings away from that, so he has 48 innings to hurt himself before. Hey, you know. no. <laughs> I'm not I'm not praying for that or rooting for that because I love Blake Snell and when Blake Snell is good, he is one of the funnest pitchers to watch. So in fun to watch. But like I think there's a pretty good chance he hurts himself because he always seems to hurt himself. Um, you know, whether it's in the shower or on the field. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he has topped one thirty once, right? The, yeah. the Cy Young season. Other than that, it's been uh one twenty nine and the third this back is in twenty seventeen. Perfect time to sell Blake Snell. It really is because you can probably fetch a mint and he's still going. To, if he ends up dominating this way the rest of the year, hopefully you got something good in return, but you really should be looking to sell. I, I, I agree with yeah. that. I think that's fair. Uh, three down then. Zach McKinstry, you hinted at him earlier. He was somebody who was be becoming like at least like a 12-team mixed league kind of play in addition to an easy 15-teamer. I mean, he was absolutely cooking, but he has a whopping 19% W, 19 WRC plus in June. That's, uh, and he had a 139 through May. So it's just been a complete cliff dive this month. And we're seeing him pop up on waiver wires everywhere. It's a 200 Babib. So he's been unlucky there too, of course, but it's just been really bad for McKinstry. Are you holding through this in any format or are you cutting Zach McKinstry as well? I mean, in 15 team leagues, like, I think it's debatable whether or not you hold on to him in anything shallower or you probably should have dropped him already. Uh, I mean, the only thing that you got to really hold on to is when he does play, he's leading off a fair amount of the time. Leading off um, against righties pretty consistently is sitting against lefties, but that's probably for the better right now. Yeah. Just to, you know, stop hemorrhaging some of your numbers. The problem is too, though, is like, you knew you weren't going to get a ton of power from Zach McKinstry, but at least he was stealing bases. He hasn't stolen a base since the month of May. Um, I 
but that, that's that rule change this year where you have to get on base to steal. Oh, which I, yeah. That's just unfair. Like, I, I don't want to cry I really would have thought they would have come up with something considering <laughs> they, they changed, like, every rule to, like, try to increase offense and action. Like, why wouldn't they just let people steal from the dugout? That's thank you. Okay, thank, we're on the same page. I was worried yeah. you were going to push back on that. It's like, oh, you have to get on base to steal. Okay, whatever. That's ridiculous. So if they're going to stick with that rule, it's going to hurt McKinstry. How, yeah, how much zero. fun would it be? Like, hey, all of a sudden, Acuna huh? is running straight to third. Like he's, he's running he from the ball first. Like he just yeah, he's just darting over to third. Yeah, McKinstry's been brutal though. No fantasy heat when everything else is is falling apart here. I, I do think a lot of it is just the 200 BABIP just really just weighing down on him. Um, and the fact that the Tigers are still committing to him in the, in the one spot kind of affirms that they don't believe that he's completely broken. But that doesn't mean that it's easy to run out there. So I would bench him in 15s. I agree with you there. But I'm all, I'm all for cutting everyone else. I mean, like you said, you already should have. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, he is getting super unlucky. He's got a 92% zone contact right now, which is elite. Uh, swing strike rate is 10%. Like he, like the underlying skills say he should be actually fine. Um, so like, I don't even like in, in your 15 team leagues where you might still be holding, you might still just hold because he is multi-position eligible. And I do yeah. think he should be better than this. Um, but like, I don't think he's going to be great by any stretch of the imagination. So I also understand just dumping and moving on to someone else. Yep. If there's a flavor of the month you like for Zach McKinstry, even in the 15-team mixed realm, mm-hmm. I get moving on. I moved on, actually, on the five-game week that they had. I kind of got lucky because I was I was originally bummed. He actually had a pretty decent week that week. I was like, dang it, maybe I jumped too early on McKinstry. And I ended up kind of getting lucky that his Babbitt just went in the absolute tank. Our boy. We got we to address our boy here, Say Suzuki. Zero homers and SBs combined in 19 June games. Now, dealt with the injury came back looked like the guy that we were gassing up all season i know we were both super bummed that he had the oblique injury right before the season started we're like oh man there goes there goes our massive interest in him it took a little while to get going he came back in mid-april nothing too special but then did have a big may with five homers and a 977 ops before going in the tank here for june is this just kind of ebbs and flows of suzuki figuring it out or do you have any concerns about his june swoon say a suzuki no, I don't have any concerns. It still hits the ball hard. It still makes contact. Um, he's still full buy every day. Yeah, full buy. Like if yeah. someone, uh, if someone wants to sell on him right now, um, or if he gets dropped in a shallower format, yeah, full buy. I got, I got no concerns here. Uh, Dave Mendelson, I think it was, uh, um, or maybe some. I can't remember if it was Dave or not. Oh no, no, it was Eric Samolsky was in my chat yesterday. He was like, "What do I do?" Stud. I was like, "Just hold." Gotta ride like, it. I mean, I think I think this is fine. Full uh, concur. Unless he goes on like a massive tear this week, I will write him up next week for for my uh, sell uh, sell high buy low article. Buy low, so, yeah, buy low on say Suzuki. Totally agree. Fifty eight percent at Yahoo, so is available out there. Go get yourself some say Suzuki. Couldn't agree more that I'm I'm just not deterred by it. It's a bummer that he's had such a bad June, but. We saw what he can do in May, and I haven't seen anything to suggest that uh, the June is going to stick more than the May could possibly come back. This was a really good podcast. Thanks. Last Uh, one. Last one. We got one more. We got one more here about Jared Kelnick. Ever heard of this guy? I haven't heard anything about this guy in quite some time. Uh, Look, I didn't do this to tweak you. I just want to know where you are at, though, because it is a 39% strikeout rate in the last 28 games. He has just five strikeout-free games, and he has a 557 OPS in that time. Was it just a hot start? And Jared Kelnick has come back to earth as to who he is. What's going on here? Because the strikeout rate is particularly concerning for me with Kelnick. And again, this isn't just like meant as a tweak on you. He's been great overall. You're still winning for sure with 11 homers, 10 steals, and a 250 average. But there are some cracks in the armor right now. Are you concerned about your boy Jared Kelnick? Uh, so, um, yeah. Gay. Um, yeah, this is bad. Like they're, they're like this is this is really bad. Uh, so much so that like, so uh, I had C.J. Cron and um, Cedric Mullins uh, on my IL in our you know sleeper on the bus Yahoo Listener League, 
Uh-huh. And I needed to activate them. And one of the ways I did it was I, you know, I traded uh, Jose Abreu away for Chris Bassett, kind of a, you know, buy low for a buy low type deal. Um, and then it allowed me to just drop one of my crappier pitchers. Um, but then I had to drop an offensive player and I, I, I dropped Jared Kelnick. Yes, you did. Um, I was going to say he's 66% available at Yahoo, including our Yahoo mm-hmm. League. Uh, the numbers are really, really bad under the hood. Like, this is not, like, a matter of, like, he's getting unlucky. He's got a 15% swing strike rate in the month of June. Uh, his zone contact is 78%, which is, you know, about 7% below league average. I uh, sent the ball into the ground a ton. Um, this looks like a complete reversion to the guy that he was when he got sent back down. Uh, and um, this is a huge bummer. Uh, and... I, I mean, he could easily turn it back around. Maybe this is just like, hey, he's, he's struggling a little bit and, and pressing, and um, but he's not like becoming overly aggressive or anything. He's actually, you know, only swinging fifty eight percent of the time right now inside the zone. So uh, maybe he needs to try to swing his way out of this because what he's doing right now is not working. It's really not, and you know, I, I would like to see Jared Kelnick turn it around. You know, I, obviously, I, w- I was not as quick to buy in, but when he was cooking, I was like, "Let's go!" I, I, I'll, I would love to eat an L on this one. I want to see him break out, but as has been the case, uh, we're not there yet, and we got to see. You know, so we've seen the great, we've seen the awful. He's got about half the season left to kind of decide where this season goes for Kelnick. The bottom line still looks good, and that's the thing. Like when you start off as hot as he did, and you look as good as Jared Kelnick did through 45 games, then it can cloud the ugliness of a 28 game sample, even though that's relatively large um, in perspective of the season. For me, it's the five strikeout free games that I'm just like, damn, dude. And there's a ton of three strikeout games within that realm, too. So, yeah, we're seeing Kelnick pop up in a lot of waiver wires. What about 15s? Uh, is, he, is he giving enough fantasy juice that you're still going to hold Kelnick there? Or can you find a cut with Kelnick in a 15-teamer right now? I think it's really hard to find a cut because, like, there's just not enough available. And I think that's definitely fair. So, like, here, here's the thing, like, and I, I just kind of looked it up as we were talking. Um, so, when he was going hot, pitchers were attacking him. Um, mm-hmm. And now they're not. They've decided, pitchers have adjusted to him. They're like, hey, you can murder a fastball. And he's, you know, hitting 308 on fastballs this year. And so, they've said, um, okay, can you hit a breaking pitch? And whoa, 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 whoa. So I didn't far, say you could throw that. So far, the answer is no. And so during the month of June, he's only seeing 34% fastballs and he's seeing, you know, uh, he's seeing off speed and breaking stuff the rest of the time. And he's not adjusting. He's got to readjust back. And this is like what makes a good hitter is pitchers are always going to adjust on you. They're going to figure things out. They're going to get the data and they're going to adjust on you. Can you adjust back? He has not yet adjusted back. Does that mean he can't? I don't think, I think he can. And so like in your deeper formats, I don't mind holding and benching right now, but we need to see some signs of life because right now he's hitting 191 on breaking pitches and 226 on off speed um that's not that's not a major leaguer that is a that is a triple a player who can hit you know fastballs in the zone and can't hit anything else my concern with kelnick was that you just don't really see guys change their um their strikeout rate after Mm -hmm. setting such a bad strikeout rate and, you know, he was going great in April, but now he's back at a 33% K rate with a career 31%. And that's been my biggest concern. That's why as as great as he was going, I wasn't going to eat the old, you know, uh, eat the L on it until we got to the end of the year with this newfound strikeout rate. So I hope Kelnick bounces back. That'd be great. But right now I'm certainly dubious about it. And uh, I can find some cuts. I agree with you on the 15, though. I'm just looking at my main event now, too. And your league might vary. So depends who's available. But just... The guys that are available, nah, I'm not cutting him for Brenton Doyle. I don't think I'm not cutting Kelnick for Doyle or Kepler or Bowers or Dylan Carlson. So in that respect, I'm probably just holding. I, I, but, I uh, got some would-you-rathers available in mind, though. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Would you rather have Jared Kelnick or Trent Grisham still available in my man? 
the six one half dozen the other to be honest. Yeah, I right. Mean, I, so I, it, you need speed or you need power. And, yeah. You know, like, um, what about Manny Margot? It's kind of an empty juice, right? Like it's kind yeah. of you know a like few with, stolen with, bases, but a little bit better batting average, but not. And he much. doesn't play every day. I'm gonna hold Kelnick yeah. there. Um, Chaz McCormick. Now McCormick was doing some things that I really liked. I haven't checked in on him in a while. You know, is he playing every day? Because he's got seven homers, seven steals. I like that. You know, Houston. Boy, he's playing been. most days, and he's you know, last fourteen days, two home runs, three stolen bases, and three thirty three. I could do that. Yeah, I, I, I could do. I could do that one. I don't know that Kel I would do it, but McCormick. I'm also like totally in love with Kelman for sure. So. And we we have our guys that that we stay committed to, and I totally understand it. So that that's the closest one I could do is McCormick, perhaps. Um, I wouldn't be rushing out to do it, especially if you believed in, in Kelnick this year. I don't blame you for hanging on in a 15 right now. It's not so do or die that like you have your your total moron if you don't cut him. Um, but you should at least be mindful that uh, if the right guy pops up, you can move on from Jared Kelnick. So, all right, I think that's going to wrap us up there. Three up, three down in the books. Another episode in the books. Justin, hope your mouth starts to feel better after the surgery. You and I will be back on Friday to talk some more baseball. Yep, can't wait. Take it easy.